Welcome to Doing Big Things. I'm Brett McDermott, and every week we are going to explore the systems, mindset, and habits that are allowing people to take action on their dreams and be the hero of their own story. My hope is that you walk away from every episode with new tools and strategies that will help you to realize your full human potential and do big things in your own life. I appreciate you being here. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the DBT. That's the Doing Big Things podcast. If today's your first time with us, we have an awesome guest with us right now. He is the founder and president of the Gold Bar Real Estate Team. Recent publications, including New York Weekly, Fox News, and CBS, have featured him as a rising star in real estate. He's the host of the Luxury Agent Podcast. He did over $100 million in sales in 2022. His social media platform, the Gold Bar Real Estate Network, boasts 300,000 followers. It attracts 5 million views per month. And now he's setting his sights on coaching agents so that they can see similar success. Juan Carlos Barranche, thank you for being on the show, my man. Brett, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Dude, I'm excited. So let, let's jump like right into your story uh, a little bit. And you're still a really young guy. What are you, 29 years old? Just turned 30 about three weeks ago. 30 years old. Okay, so you're over the hill now. It's, it's all over for you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you. You know, you were originally on track to be a doctor. You know, you were working your way through medical school in 2015. When you decided to pivot and pursue your dreams of being in the real estate industry, and what, what kind of led to you making that decision? 100%. So I was actually pre-med studying for the MCATs. And as I was doing this giant study binge, I, I kind of got to this point of burnout where uh, I knew what I was doing was going to be important. I was going to help me get to my goals, but I didn't really have a sense of passion or desire to do it at the highest level possible. And I said to myself, well, what do I want to do with my, the rest of my life? What do I really want to do when it comes to um, my future and my vision and, and my purpose? And um, at that moment, I kind of had this epiphany. I went on Google. I typed in how to become financially free because I knew financial freedom to me was very important. And that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad came up. And as soon as I read that book, um, everything changed for me. Everything about learning what an asset was to real estate investing to how to just go out of your way to uh, generate cash flowing properties to not have to work a single day in your life. And once I knew what an asset was and that there's two different roads you could take, I decided that the nine to five route wasn't for me. I decided that uh, going to medical school and becoming a surgeon one day wasn't really what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I got into real estate straight out of college. So 2023, I got my license. I jumped straight into it. Um, I do it full time. Um, and that's when I started realizing that real estate was really my, my passion, my hobby and my career. Very cool, man. And obviously, you know, fast forward, you know, to now in the next few years, you know, you built out your, your team and your systems and, and then really hit your stride in 2021, sold $80 million in real estate. 2022 sold 100, over $100 million in real estate. You know, what systems did you have in place, would you say, that were most pivotal to you being able to achieve these amazing numbers? Excellent question. So right around 2018 is when I started hitting the $12 million mark in sales as a personal producer. When I started going from around 15 million upwards to 20 million, that's when I realized I was doing everything myself and I needed to implement leverage. So at that point, I hired an admin assistant, someone to help me out with everything on the back end when it came to paperwork, transaction management, MLS, and I hired a buyer assistant. That allowed me to break the $20 million mark. So I'll be completely honest, to go from 20 million all the way up to 100 million, what I did was I built a service 
client machine, meaning any single time that a client came on board, I had an entire servicing team behind me helping them out with anything from showing the properties to doing the consultations to going out of the way to make sure that they actually closed on the property successfully. And that way, the only thing I had to focus on was acquiring the clients through building relationships. So I would say that my key systems have been building a predictable way to acquire clients and building a predictable way to actually service them. Very cool. Very cool. Now, your first uh, administrative assistant hire, was that like an, was that an in-person full-time employee or is that more of like a virtual assistant overseas? At the time, I actually was not very well versed in virtual assistants. I didn't hear about virtual assistants. So I brought on a marketing manager that told me she staffed the VAs from the Philippines in 2020. So in 2018, it was an in-person assistant. I put up a job description on Indeed. Um, I paid the minimum wage for an entry-level role and they came on. They were starting to work about 40 hours a week. It was a W-2 uh, paid employee. So I hired paychecks to outsource all the payroll, the taxes, the workers' comp, the liability insurance. Um, and then from there, uh, that allowed me to really open up my hours to around an extra 30 to 40 hours a week to focus on acquiring more clients. Very cool. Very cool. And let's like kind of touch on, you know, the power of an assistant, specifically the power of an overseas VA, perhaps from the Philippines. You know, do you think that's an important first step for an agent that's looking to grow is maybe find an assistant overseas that they can hire for four to five dollars per hour? I always tell everyone, like, if your goal is to go out of your way to make as much money as possible, you need to start outsourcing anything that has to do with paperwork, transaction management, anything that has to do with picking up the phone call as soon as possible. So when it comes to a VA, it's a great alternative to hiring someone in person right out the gate because, number one, it's very cost effective. Um, I'm able to source VAs for as little as $4 an hour and upwards for really good talent. We probably pay anywhere between 6 to $7 an hour. When all is said and done, that VA could come into my business, work 30, 40, maybe uh, 45 hours a week. And now we have in a position to really just outsource every single part of the business that isn't the best use of our time. So if you're someone that can't afford that salary yet of paying someone minimum wage, maybe at the $35,000, $40,000 a year mark, but you are in a position where you can afford to pay someone to be $1,000 a month, then hiring a VA is definitely something you need to do in order to scale your business to the next level. Yeah, give me in the audience just an example or two of like a task you would be comfortable assigning to an overseas VA for four to six dollars an hour. Really good question. Why don't I just go ahead and actually pull up? I have the entire SOP of everything we do when it comes to managing an actual admin assistant. And then when pull it comes it to actually managing that admin assistant, um, I literally map out step for step of what to do. So there are seven things that I have when it comes to a daily and a weekly routine that I give to every single VA that comes into my business. Number one, I want them to check their email and schedule any new tasks when it comes to my day-to-day -day of my actual business. Number two, I want them to log into my transaction management software and check if there's any pending transactions for new tasks. Number three, I want them to follow up on any contract deadlines. Be sure to copy any agent and all correspondences that are involved in that actual transaction. Number four, I want them to check my transaction management software again and look for any updates on broker reviews or any pending files that require a signature. Number five, every single day, I want them to send me an end of day report for every single task that they worked on. And then every Monday, I want them to send me status reports for any current buyers and sellers that we're working with. Every Friday, I want them to send me status reports for any team leader slash agent activity on any files that require my immediate attention. So that's my daily and weekly routine for every transaction manager that comes on board. And then their actual day-to-day -day checklist is broken down into a listing checklist, a listing contract to close checklist, uh, a listing post-close checklist, a buyer checklist, a buyer contract to close checklist, and then finally, what happens after the transaction after they close it. So when you map out the entire thing in a standard operating procedure, there is no kind of wing in it. It's just having them do specifically what you were doing before. 
Sure. Boy, I think that was the most precise answer to a question I think I've ever gotten on the history of the podcast. <laughs> <Mom>. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I think anyone listening right now, I mean, this is what we're doing. Holy cow. I think anyone listening right now could go out, hire a VA and have them up, up to speed by 5 p.m. Eastern time at, at this point, based on that checklist right there. That was awesome. Well, Brett, it's, it's, it's funny you mentioned this. When I hired <laughs> trainers and coaches in the past, they always gave me 30,000 foot aerial view on how to do something, but they never actually taught me specifics on what to do. So everything we do here at Gold Bar is just straight up step for step exact processes that you need to do to get a certain result. I truly do believe that motivation is important. I do believe that explaining the macro is important also. But at the end of the day, if no coach is actually giving you the step-for-step process with the exact software, with the exact staff, with the exact SOP, then how can anyone actually replicate it? A hundred percent. I think if you're investing in working with a coach in real estate or any other industry, it should almost be like you're you're investing and in working in a franchise model where they're really giving you step by step all the tools, all the words, exactly what you need to do. Plug and play. All you have to do is take the action. And I think that right you're, there's far too many coaches out there that give you that 10,000 foot view. And when you meet with them, it's almost like a therapy session. And then you leave and you're like, wait a second, I've got nothing to actually do here or implement. Yes. So I, I think I, I think I think that agents that work with you are certainly going to uh, and, and, and we see appreciate it, so, it. We, we see it so often. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and share my screen and I'll show you what I'm working with. When an agent asks me that exact question, I literally just share this exact document with them. So I'll give you a little preview. What I just mentioned, I just read off the top of the actual page and then the listing checklist is just literally giving the actual VA the specific tasks that they have to do when it comes to implementing and building in their business. Now, we took it a step further. I have the exact training on how to create a CMA in an actual video. I have the exact training on how to send a listing agent to review the actual profile for the uh, transaction management or whatever it is in an actual video. So everything you're seeing right here, I not only have mapped out for the VA to understand what they have to do as far as the checklist goes, but now we have an additional training where we walk over the entire thing also. So I think when hiring a VA, it's very simple. However, if you don't have these things in place or you've never done it before, you're probably better off outsourcing the staffing to a company that specializes in this as well. For sure. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I got to say, you know, Juan, even just from talking to you for like a, a few seconds and kind of doing a little research on you before the episode, you know, you, your energy jumps off the page. It's obviously that work ethic is definitely one of your superpowers. And, and I'm just curious, have you always been a really hardworking guy or has this been kind of a skill that you've had to develop over time? I'll be honest, the hard work didn't come to I aligned my passion with my business. Um, I was always involved in multiple jobs when I was younger. I worked retail. I worked in restaurants. Um, I worked at hospitals, interning, whatever it may be. And um, I'll, ne I'll never forget this. I was at a hospital maybe 10, 12 hours a day uh, working in the OR, helping surgeons when it came to orthopedic implants. And I was miserable. Like I was trying to think of anything else to do except being there. And when it comes to real estate, real estate to me doesn't even feel like I'm working a day in my life. So I think when you align your passion with your career and you really have those two being one and the same, to me, the work ethic, it just comes naturally. I could work 40 hours one week, 70 hours another week, and it literally feels like I'm playing a video game or I'm having a really great adventure or it's just so much fun. Uh, so I think that's my competitive advantage. I love what I do and it doesn't feel like I'm working a day in my life. Very cool. Very cool. Obviously, you you went the right path going real estate as opposed to medicine. Uh, but I got to say, I could see you being a doctor, too. Like I could envision you in scrubs with the stethoscope <laughs> walking, walking into a room with a clipboard like I could see that as well. I'm sure you would have thrived in that uh, all the same. But uh, I hear you. Find your passion and and finding that persistence, finding that passion, finding that work ethic on a daily basis becomes a little bit easier for sure. A hundred percent. Yep. 
all that said, I, I just to dive a little bit deeper, because I think whenever I, people see someone like you, that's just like seemingly expanding at an incredible rate in, in different avenues, you know, they wonder like, does someone like you, even though they love what they're doing and they feel passion for why they're doing it, do you ever wake up and feel resistance to work? Like, man, I'd rather just watch Netflix today. And, and, and if you do, and maybe you don't, but if you do, is there anything you say to yourself or anything you do to kind of get over that hump and make sure you take the steps you need to take that day? I've never felt that way once in my life. I'm the opposite. When I go on vacation, I'm literally thinking about how excited I am for Monday to come through so I can go back to work. So I am the very 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. Um, I just went on vacation for about two weeks. And the only thing I could think about was coming back and getting back into my daily routine. So I'm someone where I thrive the most in terms of happiness, success, pure bliss when I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And I think a lot of top producers that are at the highest level possible just enjoy being in their natural rhythm. It's when you get me out of my rhythm and I haven't worked out in two days or I haven't been uh, reading as much as, as I could or doing as many consultations, that's when I kind of start feeling off. So I can't really relate to the whole Netflix thing. I do take breaks every single day after 7 p.m. You can't get a hold of me. My phone's on Do Not Disturb. Um, I'm either watching Netflix or doing something unproductive. But at that point, I never feel guilt or resentment because I know from 9 in the morning to 7 o'clock at night, I gave it my all. Nice, man. You know, I really appreciate the authenticity of, of that answer, too. And, you know, you talked a little bit about your daily routine and how top producers, they love doing the same thing over and over again every day. Can you kind of take us through the average day uh, of Juan Carlos? Uh, so why don't I just go ahead and share my screen once again, because we've actually documented the entire process from start to finish of my actual agenda. So I'm going to give you a little uh, tour into Goldbar real quick. And what's special about Goldbar is, once again, we built it in a step-for-step -step linear system. So any okay. single time someone enters the business, there's really a step-for-step -step process of what you have to do to go from zero to a million dollars a year. It's just people are taught so many different subjects at so many different parts of their actual business that they don't know when to implement what. So everything I designed, step one, you come into Goldbar, we have the structure, we have the mindset, we have the habits, and then we have the actual routine. What I built my entire routine off of is going ahead and doing a nine to six routine for income producing activities. And then anything from six to nine in the morning and nine to six uh, uh, and six to nine at night is all based on your personal life. So I truly do believe in boundaries. Boundaries are extremely important if anyone wants to have a good work-life balance. And if you don't have those boundaries in place, it becomes very, very tough to want to go out of the way to kind of scale their business. So let me just go ahead and scroll through one of these. And I'm going to show you the exact routine that I'm using at the moment. I actually share my calendar in one of these. Let me see if I can pull it up. So this is specifically the, the routine that perhaps you did when you were more focused on sales and what this you advised This is when I was selling and I was meeting with buyers and sellers. Exactly. That's exactly right. Okay. And let me just go right here. And then I think I have it right here on the time blocking side. Trying this is great. Here, By the way, you're, you're the first, uh, first guest to ever share a screen on the podcast. I love it, dude. <laughs> I love visuals. I'm a visual learning. And listen, I listen to podcasts all the time. But once you get to that point where you're combining audio uh, and visual all in one, pff, beautiful things sure. happen. So you, you, wow. I'll break down the entire routine from six in the morning all the way to nine o'clock at night. I'm Let's still go. In, Let's a, go. in an actual like business building role because now I'm still selling training, coaching, software and systems. But the actual sure. routine hasn't changed. So uh, full transparency for the audience. If anyone's doing B2B, which is business to business, or B2C, which is business to consumer, think buyers and sellers, the entire process does not change as far as the infrastructure goes. What changes is the avatar of the person you're reaching out to, doing the marketing with, and closing. So back to the routine. 6 to 9 a.m., I usually wake up around like 5.45 to 6.30, somewhere in that mark. It's all personal. I'm working out, going to the gym, affirmations, meditation, journaling, reading, having breakfast, anything that involves doing me. 
Um, I really recommend if you haven't started journaling and doing affirmations, it's a great way to reprogram your brain to get rid of limiting self-beliefs as well as to go out of your way to start putting yourself in a really prime position to just conquer the day. Before I did mindset, before I did journaling, before I did meditation, um, I would just basically go out of my day, day to wing it. But this really preps the entire day for me. So any questions yeah. on that? <laughs> yeah, sure. No, and I appreciate you, you, you letting me, um, you know, ask you something about that because mm -hmm. I really want to chime in and, and get a little more specific for the audience. You know, when you talk about journaling and affirmations, are these affirmations like goal affirmations? Like I am going to make a million dollars this year or are they more like character based uh, affirmations? Like I have incredible work ethic, things like that. It's the second one. It's you going ahead and reaffirming limiting self-beliefs that you've dealt with in the past. So if you're someone that has a really bad relationship when acquiring, uh, let's say, a higher net worth, and the second that you get to that point where you're making more money, you just find yourself in a position where you're just kind of self-sabotaging, you would want to create uh, affirmations around that. There are two ways to do affirmations that I teach everyone. You could go ahead and actually record them with you saying them yourself and just listen to them every single morning and every single night. I think that's one of the best ways. I've been doing that since around like 2019. It's completely rewired my brain where I've literally come to believe everything that I listen to on that recording. And the other way is for you to actually say them yourself. So when it comes to affirmations, uh, we actually go ahead and provide the affirmations that are very specific to real estate. We call them the gold bar affirmations. And they're not short. I'll be honest. Um, they are a good probably... We could call it four or five pages long. Um, and I'll give you some of the examples just for anyone listening of what a, an affirmation sounds like. I am good enough. I am smart, helpful, and worthy of taking up anybody's time. Knowing I'm good enough makes me feel comfortable, confident, and exhilarated. I am very proud to be free of judging other people and compare them to myself. I feel happy and strong-minded. So the affirmations are more so in terms of the second thing you mentioned, which is not based on a specific goal, but just rewiring your brain to get rid of limiting self-beliefs so that nothing could hold you back when it comes to getting to your goals. Love that. And I, I agree. I, I do think that the character-based affirmations are going to be more powerful. And I, myself, big believer in affirmations on my walk to the train every day. I'll say them out loud. They're mostly character-based. I say them with emotion. I probably look like a crazy person, but that's okay. You, <laughs> because if, if you do things like these affirmations, these types of things on a regular basis, week after week, year after year, you really are rewiring your brain. And it Correct. really does come out in your life. And you see these changes after a while. Um, okay, so basically, first part of the day, you're kind of it, it's you time, you're putting on your armor, you're reading, you're meditating, you're getting your head right. But then around 9am, it seems like things shift a little bit. And then we jump into no, a different part 9 of the to 11am has to be the most productive time of the day for you, because that's when you have the most focus. So I really do believe that when it comes to focus, we have like this invisible energy bar right above our head. And as the day goes on, we just lose more and more of that focus and discipline to do the things that are really at the hardest. So I try to put the hardest thing at the beginning of the day, which is prospecting. Um, if you're at that point where you've been in the business for a while, maybe you could start running a more inbound lead generation type model. But for the majority of people who don't have money to invest into Facebook ads, Zillow, Realtor.com or other sources to generate inbound leads, you wanna try an outbound lead strategy. And one of the best outbound lead strategies is prospecting. Now, super transparent, when it comes to nine to 11, how you prospect does not matter. I've met people that make a million dollars a year door knocking, cold calling, email marketing, networking in person, doing open houses, everything works. When I say prospecting, I mean building relations with a human being in your market 
that could potentially want to buy or sell in the next decade. How do you get to five people a day that you're adding to your database, which adds up to 25 a week, which ends up being 100 a month, which ends up being 1,200 a year? And why do I tell people five people a day minimum? Because if you do five people a day minimum, that's 1,200 a year at a 1% conversion ratio, you're looking at closing 12 deals a year. And if the average commission is $10,000 or $120,000 in GCI, after splits, you should be netting 100K a year for five people that you're adding to your database daily. And if you compound that over five years, well, now you have the road path to get to seven figures. Very cool. So, so nine to 11, we're putting the blinders on and we're just doing prospecting. And, and I'm curious, I know that you said you more or less stick to this process right now as you're building out your coaching business. Do you actually do prospecting for the coaching business from nine to 11? thousand percent. The only difference is I have so much leverage and systems and software now that I have virtual assistants or my actual artificial intelligence doing the prospecting for me. In the past, when I was doing anything that had to do with recruiting agents or working with buyers and sellers, I would do the prospect myself. But the beauty about business is that once you have enough money coming in, you could actually outsource the prospect to a third party. So if you're a brand new agent starting out, or maybe been doing this a couple of years, you may want to go ahead and simplify this process and do it yourself. But once you have more money coming in, you could always hire an ISA, which stands for an inside sales assistant, or a virtual assistant that their only goal is to add more people to your database daily. Very cool. All right. So nine to 11 blinders are on. We're prospecting, you know, God willing, we're meeting five new people, put them in, in the database and, and that's going to compound over time. Yes. It looks like after that, where you, you break for lunch around 11. Yeah. And if you notice, I actually put the actual lunch slots in there or you'll forget to eat. Um, I like to go ahead and put anything that's personal, whether it's eating or my personal routine in the red section. And that way, whenever I hit 11 a.m., it's just wired. I actually start getting hungry around 1030. So once you get to the point where you're actually mapping out your lunch, you control your day. And if you control your day, there is no distraction or person out there that could take you away from you focusing on the green. Anything that's green is going to make you money. Anything that's red is dedicated to you. And then if you go ahead and you start adding different little meetings and stuff like that that are in blue or stuff like that, you could go ahead and realize, oh, wow, I'm staying away from the income producing activities and I'm going back into my old routine. So how do I focus on the green? How do I take actual breaks on the red? And then how do I work-life balance the entire thing so that I'm not burning out long-term? Very cool. And for anyone who's not getting the visual here, it is. So it's color blocked beautifully, red and green, almost dancing together. It looks like Christmas. I mean, it's a, it's a, go <laughs> it's a gorgeous visual up here on the screen. So anyway, uh, if it's you, I'm sure you probably just had a nutritious lunch. You look like a, a fit young lad. So you probably just had like a, a chicken Caesar salad uh, with light dressing. Uh, anyway, so wh where are we going after lunch? What, what's the next step here? So after lunch, it's all about the follow-up. So I have a very strong and adamant philosophy. And that philosophy is 99% of the people that you meet are not going to be ready to transact immediately. However, those 99% are going to turn into the 1% at some point in the future. So what a lot of us do is we go out there and we speak to 100 people a day. And of those 100 people, only one of them is ready to buy or sell. We put all of our attention and focus on them. But what about the 99? We forget the whole six degree of separation philosophy, which states that anyone that you know, could know up to six degrees worth of people if you really look back into their actual database, their sphere, and their connection. So if I meet John at Starbucks and he's not ready to buy himself for the next 10 years, the average agent wouldn't stay in touch with him. You know what I'm doing? I'm adding him to my database and nurturing him every single month for the rest of his life. Why? Because John could have a nephew named Stacy, who uh, uh, named John, who uh, 
nephew, could have a niece named Stacy that wants to sell her house in the next two years. And then Stacy could go and get it and get referred to me two years from now. I've had situations where I've been in Ubers where the Uber driver literally has no intention of buying or selling, but their mother, their father, their cousin, their neighbor ends up wanting to sell their house next week. So even though I'm not looking at someone as an actual prospect, just through building a relationship with them and following up with them correctly, it allows me to generate more buyers and sales in the future for me. Now, during the 12 to two slot, I'm following up with anyone that's ready to buy or sell in the next 90 days. And I have anyone that's ready to buy or sell 90 days out or more on a campaign, a drip, or being heard from with my artificial intelligence. Very cool. Very cool. And you know what? If they do have a nephew named Stacy, that's okay too. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> you we're, here, we're here to help everybody. But um, so the follow-up, you said once a month. And when we're saying month, once a month, like besides the AI and the drip campaigns, are we talking like actual personal reach outs, like text messenger, text, text, emails, and phone calls? Great question. When they're ready to buy in the next 90 days, I recommend texting them and calling them every single month up until the time where they say, listen, I want to meet for a consultation. If they're mm -hmm. not ready to buy ourselves for 90 days or more, what we do is we put them on a 20-point drip campaign, which consists of two voicemail blasts per year. Just checking in on them, seeing how they're doing, remind them you're in the business. We have 12 emails going out per year or once per month. And then we have six texts going out on major holidays. And this entire thing is automated. We pre-script the entire templates. We have software that's sending it out on our behalf. And what ends up happening is the entire person, even though they're not ready to buy or sell for 90 days or even 10 years, is hearing from us 20 times per year on autopilot. Very cool. Very cool. And that makes a lot of sense too, because you know you don't really have enough time in a day or in a week to reach out to everyone you've ever met personally. But if they're looking to buy somewhat soon, yes, they're getting that personal touch. Otherwise, you've got a lot of automated plays to make sure that they're keeping you in mind as their realtor when the time does come. So, all right. So, so we've done our prospecting. You know, we've done our follow up. It looks like the next thing you've got blocked off is lunch number two. Is that correct? That's lunch number two. I got to eat four times a day. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Lo love that. Okay. So we're eating again. And that's about an hour that you're blocking off just for a little break there. It's about an hour. I don't go ahead and take the full entire hour to eat, but I do take that to decompress. Sometimes I read a book. Sometimes I just call family. Um, I use that as a personal time where even if you're not hungry, you could use that as a, a little break. I, I noticed that the brain works best when you're working in two to three hour time blocks. If you're ever working more than 90 minutes straight, uh, it gets really, really tough to just concentrate for four, five, six, seven hours at a time. So two to three hours is what I found is a sweet spot. And then as soon as we finish up lunch, uh, we go directly into consultations and showings. The reason I broke down the day like this is because you're spending the first half of the day, let's say from nine to two, focusing on building and nurturing your business. There are three ways to get more clients. You got to lead generate, you got to lead nurture, and you got to lead convert. By leaving the lead conversion all the way up until the end of the day, you're not actually leaving your house or your office to go out there and do all these showings. So if you put a showing at 12 o'clock, well, you're probably not going to do the follow-up because you have to get into your car and drive to an actual showing. So all showings, all meetings, whether they're on Zoom or in person, are going to be left for the actual three to six slot. And then my goal, because I'm trying to do the majority of them on Zoom, is to try to knock out three to five meetings a day within the three to six p.m. slot. If you're still an agent and you haven't outsourced your actual showings to a showing assistant, then you may be able to do maybe one or two consultations a day. But hey, even if you're doing one consultation a day and three to four showings a day, you're going to be in a really good place to get a lot of deals in the contract. Very cool. Now, I think there might be some business owners or agents that might be listening and being like, this all sounds great. But, you know, what, what if I've got someone that wants to see an apartment at like 11 a.m. and I've got, you know, an inspection at 10 a.m. on Wednesday? Like, how strict are we about, you know, really protecting this schedule and putting all of those things in that three to six time slot? Or should we be a little bit flexible, you know, with, with our schedule? 
it all comes down to, like I said, your actual uh, day-to-day routine. Maybe you're a part-time agent and you can't have mm-hmm. this balanced routine the way I have it set it up. Uh, maybe you are full-time, but you have clients that are very demanding about seeing properties in the morning. We basically have three tools we could work with. The first one is setting boundaries um, and letting them know, hey, straight out the gate, I want to let you know that I do all of my showings from 3 to 6 p.m. If you meet the client and set that expectation from day one and you tell them that for whatever reason you can't do three to six, we can always do Saturday and Sundays. Well, now you're in full control from day one and they're not going to be expecting anything different. That's option number one. Option number two is to bring in a showing agent from your office. There are always new agents within your office. They're going to be very hungry and determined to do more showings and you could pay them for opening up a door. You could pay them 10, 15, $20. You could pay them a small percentage of the GCI, whatever it may be. You could outsource all the showings before 3 PM directly out to them. And then the final one is yes, you could break the rule. My only fear is that the second that you start servicing clients at a very high level, you stop every and all income producing activities because it just messes up your entire routine. So I see a lot of agents doing 10, 15, 20, 30 showings a week. They get five, six deals on the contract and then they have no business for the next six months because they haven't prospected in six months. So the only way to truly scale, if you want to build a systemized business and scale out of production one day is to really stick to a routine and outsource anything outside of that time frame. That is really powerful stuff. I hope people were taking notes on that because that is something that 99.9% of agents do not do. I mean, they, they do not take control of their schedule. They let everyone else pretty much make their schedule for them. And it's so true. If you just set that precedent from the beginning and say, listen, I do tours from three to six, the client most of the time is going to respect that. And if there's something they really want to see at 12 noon on a Tuesday, there's always a brand new agent in the office that'll do that for whatever, 10, 20, 50 bucks at the most, because they just want the experience. You know, they're, yep. they're getting They're getting to show a big time listing that they would never get to show. And, and that is really, I mean, boy, that that's gold right there, guys. I hope everyone takes that one to heart. Now, just to kind of talk about, um, you know, the prospecting part one more time for, 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 for an agent, maybe a new agent, maybe someone who's been in the business for a a few years and they're still not really doing, you know, dynamite business. Is that prospecting usually just going to be cold calling expires and FISBOs and circle prospecting? Well, I would say there's a lot of routes that that people don't really are aware when it comes to prospecting. I think we're up to around 10 prospecting sources that I recommend for all new agents starting out. All the way at the top is your personal phone book. Um, if you just go on your iPhone and just check how many contacts you have, minimum, you've probably met 500, 1,000, 2,000, maybe 5,000 people in your entire life that you have in there that mm-hmm. haven't heard from you. And that's what I call low-hanging fruit. You already have an established relationship with them. You want to export that list into a CSV file, clean it up, and reach out to every single person, whether they came from high school, uh, they're an old colleague, maybe they went to your, your local past club or organization, and just reintroduce yourself. Be like, hey, this is JC. We went to high school together. Remember me? I just wanted to touch in with you and let you know that I'm in real estate. And I was just curious. Do you happen to have an agent? No? Well, listen, I know it's a random call, but I'm in the business now. If you ever need an agent in the future, could I be your agent? And most of them are going to say yes. Perfect. What's your best phone number and email? I'll stay in touch with you. And then we'll go out of our way to, like I said, become friends if you ever need anything. If you just do that simple little thing with every single person in your phone book, that alone is going to solve a huge lead generation problem in your entire business. Next, we got to think, okay, well, how do I get access to more people? Facebook. We've been on Facebook all since around 2000 and what, 2010 or so. And we've been adding so many friends. We could take that same exact strategy and now DM every single person that follow us or is our friend. We can do this on Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, you can look at other platforms like Twitter and TikTok, whatever it may be. But if we were actually to take the time to do cold outreach in the form of instant messaging and do the same exact script. Hey, Audrey, remember me? Um, I don't know if you remember me. We sat next to, to each other in, in science class and it's been a couple of years. How have you been? catch up a little bit. Perfect. I know it's random that I'm reaching out to you, but I actually just got my real estate license and I'd love to be your agent in the future. Do you happen to have an agent? And when they say no, perfect. Can I be your agent also? 
And then if you just gather their information, name, phone, or email, it's the only thing you need to actually stay in touch with them. From there, we could tap into for sale by owners. We could talk into expires, but there's also for rent by owners. There's vacant houses for sale. We could go out of our way to start doing cash offers for homeowners that are probably distressed or are behind on their mortgage. Uh, we could look into people that filed for chapter 13 bankruptcy. We could look at people that are getting divorced. We could look at people that are doing anything that has to do with... Um, estate sales or probate sales. Uh, then we could probably get into landlords, people that are actually renting their house and they may want to sell in the future. There are so many sources. I, th I think I, I tapped into a, a source that sh showed like 50, 60 different places to meet people. But at the end of it all, I just want to be fully transparent for anyone listening. It's completely irrelevant because they're all the same. At the end of the day, you're building a relationship with a human being. And if you could build that relationship and stay in touch, at some point, they're going to need an agent. Very cool. So many ways to generate leads, but I agree, you know, start with your network, start with Audrey from science class, because those are the, those are the warm leads, you know, that those are the people yeah. that, that, that already know you and they, and they might even like you and they, and they might even trust you already. So it's going to make things uh, a lot more of a downhill adventure there. Um, really, really good stuff. And just to kind of dig a little bit deeper into that script. I love that, you know, how many agents never ask that question? Do you have an agent? You know, I mean, I'd say almost nobody asked that question and it's an important question. And most of the time you're going to get the answer. No. And then just follow up and say, listen, I'd love to be your agent. If at one point you are going to transact in this market, such powerful stuff. Is that usually a phone call or a text message? Would you say is, is the phone call the way to go there? I would say phone call is your best option, but obviously if you could do it in person, even better. Um, but I always say face-to-face -face is the best. Then you have a phone call, then you have a text, and then you have an email. An email is very hard uh, to go ahead and convert with just because it's probably the least personal out of all of them. But if you could text them or just call them, uh, you're probably gonna have a good chance that they answer back. Very cool. Very cool. And I, I had uh, you know been doing some research on you before the podcast. And I, I know at, at one point I heard you say that you know, a big part of your secret sauce was that you would go to networking events four or five times a week when you were building your business. And I was wondering if you could just kind of take us quickly through the system that you use, the strategy you use at those networking events, because I really thought it seemed very effective. Great question. So when it came to me building relationships with business owners and entrepreneurs, I understood one thing. The majority of people in this business are going out of their way to build relationships with everyone in their local community. And whether they're a CPA, an architect, maybe they're a mortgage lender or a title company, um, they're always going out of their way to get in front of more clientele. So I just said to myself, well, what if I could actually just break into their network? What if they could recommend me to their three, 400, 500 clients that they've already worked with? That would make life way so much easier. So what I started doing was I went to these networking events. Um, I would go out of my way to not just hand out business cards, but to actually set up meetings with these people. And then the purpose of the meeting was to establish a business referral relationship. And I would ask them, um, hey, John CPA, uh, do you happen to have a real estate agent that you refer your business to if you ever needed one? And most of them said no. Uh, you would think a lot of these people have people that they refer to, but because no one ever took the time to actually ask them, they'd be more than willing to send you referrals all, uh, all along the way. So I would do this with about three CPAs, three mortgage lenders, three investment bankers, three financial advisors, three people that were uh, in title, insurance, anyone that involved uh, the financing aspect or the real estate aspect of the actual business. I wanted to go ahead and get three of those contacts. Um, and I essentially built up my entire business owner referral network to close to around 80 to 100 local business owners. At that point, I was grabbing a cup of coffee with them maybe once a month or every two months. Uh, I was going out of my way to invite them to my personal network. We became friends. We would stay in touch on the phone. And before I knew it, 
Um, I had deals coming from all over. I had deals coming from mortgage lenders. One of my biggest deals, they referred me uh, a deal that ended up making me $100,000. I double ended both sides on one deal and the deal closed in three, four months. It was a super easy transaction. But because I literally just stayed in touch with this person, Sean, and they went out of their way to have a client that reached out to them, I got the deal first. My CPA just sent me a $900,000 transaction and a $1.2 million listing. And hey, that's a relationship I built four years ago. So when you go out of your way to build relationships with local business owners, you have a much higher chance of getting referrals because they're in the same business as you, which is building relationships with local community homeowners. That's huge. And that is low hanging fruit that 99% of agents are just not picking off the branch. I mean, no one is doing that. Maybe most agents, maybe they know one or two CPAs, three or four lenders in, in their market, but they're, they're certainly not making it a, a focal point of their lead generation system. But just by going to maybe a couple of these events a week and really going there, you know, with the target intention of meeting these local business owners, putting them in your, in your, Rolodex and then keeping in touch with them every three months. I mean, you're going to be having more referrals than you can deal with within two or three years. If you stay consistent with that strategy, that is awesome. Awesome stuff, Juan. Um, so just to kind of, you know, dive back into, you know, you and your journey a, a little bit, I, you know, I, I'm a huge believer that that input um, determines outputs. And I know yeah. you spoke about, re I know you spoke about the importance of reading before and how you try and evolve it in, in your daily routine. Are there any books or, or any seminars that have really had a huge impact on you that have helped you say, break through that next level? Let me just check out the book list. I'll point that one out. Amplify your influence. Renee Rodriguez. Renee's going to be speaking at my event in New York in, uh, in February of next year. And Renee not only wrote a book on the entire process of how to become a better communicator in sales, but he hosts an actual uh, seminar called Amplify. Uh, maybe about once or twice a month. Um, back in 2018, I realized that if I wanted to be a leader and build a successful team and go on my way to really uh, embrace myself as a top team leader in the local community, I needed to work on my public speaking skills. Um, believe it or not, uh, at some point, I was actually terrified to speak on stage. So I said to myself, let me start out with Toastmasters, which is a local uh, club and organization where you go out there and kind of get the jitters out of the way. But if I really wanted to perfect public speaking uh, and go to my way to become a top producer, team leader, or maybe even a future coach, I needed to get a consultant to walk me through the entire process. So um, I flew down to Vegas. I paid Renee a lot of money, but hey, it was worth every single dollar. And he basically transformed the entire way that I communicate with people on a public speaking stage over a three-day process. Um, he broke down my tonality. He broke down how fast I would go ahead and speak. He would break down my entire method of just teaching and, and talking about stories whenever I'm communicating with the public. And he'd even go as far as to actually break down my body language. You'd be surprised how many people stand up on stage extremely stiff and don't know what to say. So I would say that that would be one of my most impactful seminars um, because it completely just changed who I was, uh, kind of like unlocked the next version of myself within a very short period of time. But I've probably gone to a dozen of those types of conferences or seminars that have really just developed who I am as a person and have allowed me to kind of break to the next level. Very cool, man. So Amplify Your Influence, what was the name of the one that was specifically targeted towards public speaking and communication skills? Yes. And, it, and the name of the author is Renee Rodriguez. Very cool. Very cool. And I got to say, you know, did a good job, man. You are a phenomenal communicator. So whatever they, they did over there, Thank it, you. it's working, my <laughs> man. It It, it is working. It, but I think, but you know, th there's power in that. I mean, listen, like, there, of course, there's conferences out there that are kind of broad and, and, they're, and they're worth going to as well, like the Tony Robbins and things like that, who yes. will apply to all industries. But if you're looking to really just improve in one specific area, like maybe public speaking, you know, there's conferences out there that will speak just towards that goal that you're going after. And I 
I think those can even be more powerful. If you're really going to a conference that has a, a specific target in mind, I think those are the ones that you really walk away from with the true tangible skills that can make a big difference in your life. So listen, Juan, this has been, you know, pretty unbelievable conversation and you have really brought the fire today. I'm sure anyone listening today is going to take at least one or two things from this conversation, stick it right into their business and be better for it. Uh, I just got to ask, and this is a question, you know, that I ask at the end of interviews a lot of time. For anyone that's listening right now, maybe they're a real estate agent, maybe they're running some other type of business, they're not really seeing the growth they want to see, that they're not feeling as passionate as they want to feel about their business. For lack of a better term, they feel stuck. Okay. How do they get on how do they get unstuck? Well, it's finding out why you're stuck. Is it stuck from a mental perspective where you're just not really enjoying what you're doing, or is it stuck where you're just working and you just feel like you're getting nowhere? Uh, to address the first one, if you align your passion with your business, you'll never have to work another day in your life. If you find that real estate is not your passion, I would get out completely. This is a very hard industry. You're going to be dealing with a lot of roller coaster of emotions, people, personalities. If you don't enjoy what you're doing now, and the idea of just going out every way to speak to people and interact with them on a day-to-day -day basis does not excite you, then you're probably not fit for the real estate business as a whole. That being said, if you do enjoy what you do and you just feel like you're just going out there and you're running on this endless hamster wheel, let, let me just give you a different sh uh, shift of perspective. The chances are that what you're doing is actually working. However, you're not doing the second part, which is not getting you the actual results. So part one is you going out of your way to build relationships. I know a lot of agents that are working extremely hard, networking, going to conferences, cold calling. They're doing it all. Their database is growing, but they're not getting actual deals. The reason for that, it's not that you're doing the wrong activity. It's that what you're doing after that activity is not going ahead and accumulating into an actual transaction in the future. So if we had explained it in this way, most real estate agents are working out seven days a week. They're weightlifting, they're doing Pilates, they're doing yoga, they're working out abs. They're in the gym two to three hours a day, but when they lift up the shirt, there's no six pack. And everyone's like, where's the six pack at? Well, John, well, Lucy, what's your diet look like? And when they tell me, um, I'm just eating McDonald's and Coca-Cola every single day for lunch, breakfast, and dinner. Well, I'm like, well, here's the issue. When I ask agents, what's your database look like? And they tell me, well, I don't have a database or I'm just sticking people in my CRM and they're not hearing from me after I put them in there. Well, I tell them, well, that's the issue. 99% of people are not going to be ready to transact when you immediately speak with them. So when you implement the proper follow-up system, when you implement the proper nurturing system, all of a sudden, it's like combining a really good fitness routine with a really good diet. You're going to start seeing results like this. So don't get discouraged. There are chances are that you either just don't have a really good follow-up system in place, or if you're not doing part one at all, you're probably not doing enough volume to get the desired result you're looking for. If people are going to the gym, let's say uh, three, four, five times a day, I ask them, well, how many people are you adding to your database? And a lot of people tell me, I'm adding maybe one person in my database daily. I tell everyone, well, that's like going to the gym and doing 10 pushups a day. You're not going to get any results for a very long time. So you have two options if you feel stuck. And I'll go ahead and re reiterate the entire thing. Option number one is increase the volume of what you're doing to generate more business. If you're cold calling, uh, if you're circle prospecting, if you're door knocking, if you're going to networking conferences, your goal should be to go from one or two people in your database daily to five, 10, or even 15 people you're adding in there. If that doesn't change your entire business, then your follow-up process is broken. Option number two is implement the proper follow-up system without changing the actual volume of the workload. And if that gets you an immediate result, then you know what the entire thing was going on the entire time. So number one, prospect more. And number two, follow up more.
There it is. Prospect more, follow up more, and your business will get the washboard abs that it deserves. Juan Carlos, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being on the show, man. You really brought it today. I am really grateful for you, brother. Where can everyone follow you, keep up with all you're doing, maybe reach out to you if they want to work with you and get all these systems involved in their business? A hundred percent. Two fastest ways. Number one is Instagram, Juan Goldbar, J-U-A-N, Goldbar. Uh, if you actually click the link in my bio, it'll go direct to my calendar. We can book a three, a 30 minute strategy session for free. Uh, you could always DM me. I always respond back. Uh, and the other option is go to goldbartraining.com uh, where you can learn more about what we're doing to help agents uh, implement software, design systems, and actually staff within their business to help them get to the next level. There it is, guys. Thank you for being with us today. I'm sure you took a ton out of that conversation. As always, if you've got some time, leave us an honest review so we can get this message out to more people in the future. And until next time, y'all get out there and do big things.